Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Ravens are 4-1, and one, welcoming uh, an opponent who matches the same record currently. At 4-1, and one, the Justin Herbert-led Los Angeles Chargers. Don't call them the San Diego Chargers because they're no longer there. In what looks like could be a huge shootout, maybe very similar to what we saw uh, in week two when the Kansas City Chiefs came. Guys, this looks like it's going to be an extremely interesting offensive matchup given what we've seen out of Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler from this year and what we're seeing from the Ravens passing game. Uh, What are our first impressions? Well, I tell you what, we had that conversation uh, in the last episode about how do we feel about the Ravens offense getting off to a slow start. Um, I got to say for this game, uh, it is crucial that they get on track early and do not have to play from behind because this team can certainly put up points. Uh, by that, I mean the Chargers. And uh, yeah, I think the Ravens cannot afford to get behind this game uh, that quickly. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be a shootout. It's, it's going to be a fun game though. I mean, the Chargers, I think, have, have probably done a little bit better than expected overall. But I mean, Herbert and that offensive uh, core, some of the new guys that they have on that side, their uh, new rookie left tackle, uh, has also been playing really well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun game for sure. Ravens are currently three-point favorites in this game, so just the home field advantage. And it might be a decent one given the fact that, A, you got the bank, and, B, you've got them coming all the way from California, right? So you got that time zone difference. You might be able to capitalize a little bit there. But uh, I will say that the Ravens, like, you never want to go behind against one of these teams. I want to get... You know, I wouldn't get too nervous if it happens because one of these teams needs to score first and both fans bases don't want to see that, right? And we've seen the Ravens come back from behind against the Chiefs, all right? Like, it's so it's not a death sentence, but uh, definitely you don't want to see that because this offense is very, very high-powered and Herbert's playing really well. He's, uh, I think, almost to the point of Mahomes where you don't want to blitz him because he just makes you pay. He has 13 touchdowns already on the year and only three interceptions. He's making really good decisions with the ball. That's a really hard combo to beat. Yeah, I will say I think coming back of a de- from a deficit against the Chargers is going to be a lot more difficult than it was for the Ravens against the Colts. Carson Wentz is still not the player that he was when he was vying for the league MVP, or did he win the league MVP that year? when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Whatever. We're not talking about Wentz. We're talking about Herbert and the Chargers. This offense is a lot more efficient than what the the Colts are doing. And in a way, I think, quite honestly, I think right now the Chargers are more dangerous than the Chiefs. I'm not just saying that because the Chiefs are currently two and three. You know, the Chiefs have been around for a little bit and teams are finally catching up on, okay, how can we nullify Hill and slow down Kelsey, force them to try and, and run, which they're not really doing well with CEH. The Chargers, I mean, Mike Williams has come out and and finally lived up to the expectations that came when he was drafted with the seventh overall pick back a a few years ago by the Chargers. Just inconsistency, injuries held this guy back. He's he's an alpha right now through five weeks of the season. You still got Keenan Allen there. Uh, Austin Eckler can beat you on the ground and through the air. These guys, I don't think it is too crazy to say that their offense is more dangerous than Kansas City's right now. And we'll just see how the Ravens' defense will hold up against that, as we've seen, like we've said, 
fourth worst defense against the pass right now so far. So they're going to have to really come up with a good scheme to to keep pace with these guys and slow them down a bit. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but I was thinking about this the other day and that I really think the Chiefs are starting to regret letting Sammy Watkins go. You know, obviously, like, you know, they've got some other guys, like developmental guys. I mean, Hardman and, and Pringle and some of those guys, like, they can play, but they're still not as consistent of a weapon that Sammy Watkins was for them, particularly in, like, 2019. Now, granted, like, I know he wasn't healthy throughout, you know, throughout that, uh, his stint there, but but still, it's just, you know, it feels like um, the Chiefs have been retooling, adding more of their offensive line and, and trying to, to compensate for that because they were just so bad there in 2020, but... It almost feels like they uh, they lost another one of those weapons on on that offense that you know they it's kind of like what we're talking now in Baltimore. It's like you know we had Marquise Brown, we had Mark Andrews, but we didn't have any other reliable option. But now that we have a third, fourth, fifth, potentially sixth, like reliable options behind those guys, like the core two are, are playing even better. Uh, I feel like that's kind of happening with the Chiefs, but in reverse. So yeah, I can definitely see that, you know, right now with with the Chargers with you have at least three guys there who I think are pretty good. Jared Cook as well uh, at the tight end spot. I mean, it seems like he's always just producing no matter what team he's on. They certainly have a lot of weapons that they can take advantage of that the Ravens are going to have to watch out for. Yeah, you're right. They are having an incredible uh, funnel right now. Um, Almost all the targets are going to one of those four guys that you mentioned. Uh, We've seen Guyton in the past step up when there's been injuries. And in the game against the Browns, I saw him have a couple like good plays, but overall, like you're just not seeing him or uh, Palmer get targeted at such a rate where you're like, oh, that's a, a guy to keep an eye on. I think it's really going to come down to how well our safeties uh, and linebackers can cover the Cook Eckler combination and how well Avery bounces back. And hopefully Humphrey's okay. I think he might be a little dinged up at this point against uh the combo of keenan allen and mike williams i mean it it's a lot of firepower and you're gonna need the whole defense to play really well to slow down this offense yeah 100 percent. i think for me assuming that humphrey goes what actually worries me the most about this offense is austin eckler um we saw what jonathan taylor did to the ravens uh through the air and Jonathan Taylor is a great player in the NFL right now. I think that Austin Eckler is is better in space with the ball in his hand than than Taylor is, and I think that the Chargers' offense is more efficient at getting the ball to the running back than the Colts are. So the, I think the Ravens are really going to have to review the tape to see what went wrong there and really have a plan in place to uh, attack that because if not, they could get burnt worse in – that aspect of the game than they did on Monday night. Are you saying that Eckler is going to give us a taste of our own medicine of the Hey Diddle Diddle play against us? Because I could definitely see that. I, I could. <laughs> I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah, Eckler is such an interesting guy. I mean, it's hard to remember that this guy is an undrafted guy and kind of came in as Melvin Gordon's backup. Melvin Gordon was viewed as the long-term guy for that offense, but just a little by little, and throughout his career, Eckler just kind of got better every year and has now supplanted himself to being a complete running back before he was really just a pass-catching uh, specialist. But over the past couple seasons, he's just gotten more and more consistent on the ground. 
Um, and he's off to a career best pace as far as rushing is concerned. It's a really interesting player and definitely a guy that the defense is going to have to have a stout plan to stop because he's been off to an incredible start this year. Yeah, we brought it up a little bit, but uh, the offensive line is completely rebuilt from last year. It was definitely what was holding back Herbert and the rest of the offense, and I think they've done a really good job with it with Slater, their first-round pick. Um, He has great mobility. He is really excellent in level two. You can see on the Eckler touchdown run, and you'll see it on other runs too, where he like gets to the second level to spring, you know, the long run for the touchdown. And uh, Corey Lindsley uh, is producing at the center position. He's one of the best centers in the league. They also signed um, Matt Feeler to play guard. They have the illustrious Michael Schofield III as their right guard. And uh, overall, like it's producing at a really, really good level. He's giving the holes that our running backs wish they had. And uh, that little squirt can just fly through it. And and he's not the only one. Joshua Kelly can run hard. They've been using Roundtree. I mean, they have uh, a couple running backs that are that are pretty decent uh, on top of, obviously, Eckler. And yeah, just the, the kind of way that Eckler can beat us is, is quite scary and uh, makes me, uh, him, I think, enemy number one almost which is hard to say when you have keenan allen uh chilling and, and a resurgence of mike williams like it's not not pretty to be like oh if we give up eckler we're gonna say like those other two guys are gonna feast like i think you can't get rid of them all completely yeah i think for me i, I uh, key really is throughout this week gonna be um well I, we're recording on the tuesday so again uh you guys might not be hearing this until later in the week but uh definitely monitor uh, the status of Deshaun elliott I think he's going to be uh, a key player, I think, for us to, to add back to that secondary. Humphrey as well. I mean, I, I feel like if I were the Ravens, I'd continue to put Humphrey uh, probably on Mike Williams for most of the game. You could probably switch him off with Keenan Allen in certain situations um, just to kind of keep him locked down. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you uh, definitely need Clark and, and Elliott to, to kind of take away um, – take away Eckler in passing situations and, and Cook as well. Brandon Stevens has been playing pretty well, uh, in particular over the last couple of weeks. I think we mentioned the last episode. I, I feel pretty confident with Stevens, particularly at in terms of actually getting people on the ground. He seems like a pretty solid tackler. And for having a lot of issues the first couple of weeks, that's pretty important to have. Um, so I feel good about him being there in situational roles, but would certainly like to to have Elliott back at full strength because, I mean, he was playing really, really well before uh, for that quad injury. I think it's also important that the Ravens get back healthy because the Chargers play a lot of offensive snaps because they're not afraid to go for it on fourth down. They are, uh, I put in the notes, these nerds like to go for it like I would if I was <laughs> a coach in the NFL. Like, uh, this it's it's nice like to see it's fun like on fourth and seven indefinite field goal range and not even a game script where they like necessarily had to get a touchdown like i think it was it was a good idea based on how the game was going and so high powered with the the browns but they were like yeah we're going for and they complete you know and and like it was like you know fourth and two and like ah fourth and two what's that like go for it they didn't go for it on fourth and 17 when they were deep in their own enemy territory and i think that was a good move i I think i would also put it away at that point but uh these guys are not afraid to go for it they they want to score points and um it just helps right like it changes the way you call third down if you're willing to go for it on fourth at a higher rate right and uh you can wear out defenses that way and i think it's underrated how well 
that strategy can work if you're if you're an offense that's this good how well that could work for you guys you know like so maybe the ravens are gonna have to break out a little bit extra regression on their offense to be uh matching like you know like when we play the chiefs traditionally that's been when we go for it more or we do like you know well we're more on fourth down i think this is a team that will garner the same level of uh aggressiveness because at this point their offense is humming better than the chiefs totally agree and 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 i would be shocked to see the ravens not take that approach on sunday i think this offense their confidence level is extremely high from what we've seen the past few weeks I think they'll definitely be dialing that up without question. I think another player that needs to come through is Odafe Owe. And we kind of talked in between the shows, and I think it's worth bringing up. I forget who who asked the question of. Chris did. Chris did. Is Odafe Owe the best uh, rookie drafted by the Ravens on defense since Holoninata, who was introduced into the Ring of Honor last week? What do you guys think? Where do you stand? I mean... My gut reaction was immediately, no, it's Marlon Humphrey. And I think it's still a little too early to say, obviously, because Owe has only played five games in his career so far. And at first, after I said that, I was like, "Ah, I have to think about that a little bit. I am still going to give it to Marlon just because he, he is so shut down of a corner. And he's a playmaker, too. We haven't seen him get any turnovers yet this year, but we saw plenty of strip tackles and return those in the end zone for touchdowns. Um, I've seen him make some clutch interceptions before. Always got a bright future, uh, but I think I would say he's got to, to show a little more to, to for me to think he's a better pick than Humphrey. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly it's an interesting uh, thought exercise. I know when I first brought it up, I, I kind of excluded Humphrey and, and also to some extent Jimmy Smith just because they play a different position. It's kind of hard to compare the two. I was mainly thinking of... You know, if we're talking about defensive line, outside linebackers, I mean, uh, obviously there's Suggs, but that was a really long time ago. Um, but yeah, I think n- not as interesting because I know, you know, it, almost sort of uh, similar parallels, right? I mean, when Nada was coming out of Oregon, I mean, he was just, he was a monster on the D-line. He was just super athletic, um, very nimble for, I mean, for the type of player that he was. It was just um, a really interesting uh, physical specimen and just something that a lot of people hadn't seen before and I feel like uh, at least with Owe you kind of get in the same thing of of people didn't expect this guy to be so athletic and, and so uh, so tall so long but also just extremely fast so I, I kind of like that comparison obviously they're not playing the same position group but um, from like a physical specimen, you know, size and, and, and athletic traits kind of position, uh, you know, I'd say it's, it's definitely there. But to your point, Peter, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, I, I think it's certainly close. Um, I'm, you know, Marlon is a definitely a great player. And even though he hasn't, you know, had as many splash plays this year, I, he's still one of the top two or three players on this defense. Uh, no question. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's going to be great, man. I just... I'm just so happy with with OA in particular. Just we were saying it on this pod. We were all saying it. We were like, he might need some time. Give him some time. Don't worry. And he's already in the first five games. Like made a huge impact on this team. It's 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 amazing. I would say I originally thought like my also my gut reaction was Humphrey. But when I thought about his rookie season, you know, not the same level of impact as we're seeing from Adafi OA, right? So from a pure like rookie season perspective and maybe like trajectory. 
I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to maybe lean Odafe. I don't know. It's really interesting, too, when you think positional value. You know, rushing players, like edge rushers, are, like, really important. But so are corners. So I, I, I struggle to say which one I think is more valuable. But uh, 16 games played, five games started, two interceptions for Marlon Humphrey on his rookie year. No sacks, you know, so that's, I mean, that's mostly like, I guess the splash stats, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, you already have OA with a couple forced fumbles, a couple sacks. So he's getting the turnovers too. So, I, I mean, I could definitely see leaning him just, and also pure snap count. The guy's like eating up snaps, right? So, but also I mean, it's like a little bit unfair, right? Like there's, there's definitely a, a void on this team where he could kind of step in and, and take over that role. Whereas we drafted Humphrey in a position of strength. Because we at that time still already had uh, Smith playing at a good level, and I believe uh, trying to think back to that roster, who else was on it? Brandon Carr, Tavon would have been there. That would have been yeah his second Tavon year. Was there. Yeah, Webb was still there, but he was at safety, I believe. Okay, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, like it was a more there was less opportunity almost than than what always seeing. So you could definitely play it a lot of different ways. But a very interesting thought exercise. Yeah, I know. Uh, continuing on OA a little bit, one of the things that I noticed, particularly with the Colts game, is I feel like the conditioning uh, probably caught up to him a little bit. I know uh, throughout the third and fourth quarter, you just saw him a little bit less on the field. They were putting in Pernell McPhee in some snaps. Um, it, it actually kind of looks like to me that the Ravens were almost kind of saving him for that last defensive drive, which whether they were or not, I actually kind of like the idea because you know, I want to keep him fresh and be able to kind of make that impact play at the end. Fortunately for the Ravens, they didn't need him to. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be key just to to keep Odafe productive, just not have uh, too many snaps, try to keep the rotation up. Obviously, if the Ravens defense performs pretty well, can get off the field in those third down situations, I think that'll also be really helpful. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's definitely going to be the key for the Ravens to not get in those same situations that the Colts did, where it just seemed like they had a lot of really, really long drives that kept the defense on the field. I know we talked about this ad nauseum against, uh, during the Colts recap, but do we have high expectations for Queen and Harrison in this game? Is there a path where the Ravens can find something for these guys to do to have an positive impact on the defense here i don't think i have high hopes but there is an opportunity right like it's a good <laughs> test but uh i don't know if i'd have high hopes at this point i just i'm starting to feel like you mentioned it was a, a good point about the the bye weeks and if they like can maybe figure something out at the bye but like right now on the short week what a what a crappy week to have a short week against a team this good right i just like i don't know I, <laughs> it would take a lot of clicking against a team like this. This feels like the exact kind of team that could have some window dressing that confuses him or like is just like too good, you know, like to and kind of expose like it feels like the the cards are definitely stacked against Queen to be able to prove the naysayers wrong. Yeah, I think the Ravens are just going to have to uh, <laughs> lean on some of their other position groups in depth. You know, I know Wolf isn't going to make it back for this game, but you know, they got to lean on more of the guys on the D-line, have them step up and perform well. You got to have the guys in the back end perform well. Just kind of everybody needs to step up. The Ravens need to just get healthy. Like I said, Elliot's got to play. Do whatever you can to to help mask some of the issues. Because, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I just At this uh, at this point, we've already went through it. We're, we, have, we only have so many guys who can play. Josh Bynes is the only one who really hasn't had that many snaps who can maybe come in and play. 
But uh, I don't know if the Ravens want to turn there yet. I feel like if uh, if they felt like they needed to, they would have done it already. So here's a question for you guys. Do you feel like the Ravens should uh, blitz a decent amount against a guy like Herbert? Or is this uh, the Mahomes treatment of no blitz is really very disciplined and hopefully try to beat him that way? I Personally, I, I think it's you take that approach. I just think there's too many guys who are just too good on this offense that that can burn you bad in that situation. And, and Herbert, I, I feel like everyone is underestimating this guy. Like even people who acknowledge that he's pretty good. There's just some about him that just, I don't know if it was because of, of hard knocks when during his rookie year where, you know, he wasn't doing too well or just the fact that the guy looks like he's 12 years old. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> I just feel like that the NFL community is, somewhat apologizing when when they talk about how good this guy is i i don't know how if people really understand that he's stupid ass good um and I, this is someone who saying this who uh infamously in 2020 decided to pick up sam darnold over justin herbert when he had a tr- chance to do that in an auction draft um <laughs> i mean he scares me as much as mahomes does at this point in his career. And wow. I think if, if you blitz him, he's going to pick it apart. They've got two really excellent receiving options there in Allen and Williams. And the blitz is, is you're really leaving yourself susceptible to a screenplay where they can get Eckler and he can just pop off for an easy 50 yard gain. It just, it seems to me like a very dicey strategy, but We'll see. We'll see what Wink thinks they need to do. In all honesty, I feel like a broken record here. It kind of comes back to just personnel. I feel like against the Colts, uh, the Ravens didn't blitz as much as they uh, usually did. I think a lot of that, honestly, again, comes down to Elliott. Of just with Elliott and Clark, you can kind of have the flexibility to call some of the sort of safety blitzes. We didn't see as many of those calls during that game. Um, so yeah, it, for me, I just I don't know if Wink trusts all of some of the new guys to be able to hold up in coverage as much one-on-one to be able to call those blitzes. I mean, you can have the occasional corner blitz. I know Tavon had that sack that came off a corner blitz. I think Humphrey had a blitz earlier in the, the first half, I think. Um, so there are options. Like there, It can be done, but um, surely I think it just comes down to availability. But, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you guys, though, for what it's worth. I mean, Wink, he knows what happens when you blitz a quarterback like Mahomes, and he had to specifically change up the game plan this year to not do that as much. I, I think if he you know, sees Herbert as that same player, I think he's going to take the same strategy for sure. It's crazy to me that you think that uh, Herbert looks so young. I mean, at that point, then Zach Wilson must be the same age as your son, Peter, because like, that kid looks super young. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more pronounced last year when he still had like the long hair and like all the acne and stuff. It's cleaned up. He's cut his hair a little bit. So he's like, okay, you're growing up a little bit. <laughs> well, I guess I haven't seen him with his helmet off yet uh, this season, and I'm just remembering what it would look like last year. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the, uh, what is it, the, the football announcer guy? I'm like, hey, stop it. Football's back. He's like, you're right. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I have yet. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, Justin Herbert's in that commercial. I actually hadn't seen a picture of Zach Wilson without his helmet either. Yeah, he he uh, he looks like he's in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Savage. We don't play the Jets this year, right? No, that was no, 2019. No, <laughs> not <this> unfortunately. <laughs> Man, I, I'd take a Jets game. That seems like a dub. Uh, give, give us that cupcake. Give us that blueberry muffin. 
<laughs> you know what's wild too, man, is I don't even think that uh, Los Angeles would have known what they had in Herbert, man. The, remember how freaky it was that he came in? It was, it was like, like that needle was like misplaced and poked the lung of, uh, of Tyrod Taylor, right? Isn't that the like the whole story? It's like this huge yeah. like you know like mal uh, malpractice essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that caused them to even like get a snap. Like they weren't going to go to him anytime soon. It's wild. Dude, Tyrod Taylor has had one of the most un- unluckiest careers in the NFL. He gets a chance to start for the Bills, and and they dump him for I can't even remember. That was they did. They didn't just go straight from him to Josh Allen, did they? I'm trying to remember now. They might have. There's EJ Manuel for a while, but I thought he was. That was before. Four. Yeah, that was definitely before. That was like was back it in Peterman? 2014 and stuff. Was it Nathan Peterman? If it was Nathan Peterman, that's really sad for Tyrod. But <laughs> point is, he got benched. He got let go by Buffalo for reasons unknown to us, at least. Um, you know, he wasn't great, but he was solid enough for them. And he goes to Cleveland, gets to be the starter, loses his job to Baker Mayfield, and then gets another shot with the Chargers. Collapsed long. He's out. Herbert takes over, goes to Houston, lights it up for two weeks, and then boom, out with an injury. The guy just has had all these opportunities and just had bad luck at each stop. And, you know, is is he anywhere near to becoming a Pro Bowl passer? No, but I think he's been a completely serviceable guy, you know, a guy you can depend on to win, at least to get you to a wild card playoff. But, yeah, just... A lot of bad luck for him with on the injury front and just bouncing from team to team um, and just being th- this bridge guy. Anyways, how do we get on the topic of him? He's not even playing tomorrow or on Sunday. Oh, because that's how Herbert started. Yeah, it's because of uh, yeah that situation. <laughs> Anyways, you, you can cut that year. Taylor tangent. It ha- it 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 doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even play here. <laughs> he plays for Raven South. <laughs> That's right. We got Ravens South. We got Ravens North. Oh, man. <laughs> I think it's time to transition to the Los Angeles defense and how they'll be able to maybe try to slow down the uh, Ravens transitioning offense. Um, as we mentioned, like I'm, I'm here hoping for another 400-yard passing game from Lamar, so this can be the next streak that we can go after. I think it'll be a lot, a lot of fun because, A, I think Lamar can do it, and, B, I would just like to see how long people are going to hang on to their priors that the guy can't pass. Uh, so cause they're still saying it. <laughs> they're still saying it. It's it's mind blowing. So all right, keep keep saying it. Eighty six percent completion. <laughs> I don't know how you can complain. I've never seen that number that high ever. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but anyhow, okay. So who they got? They got Joey Bosa, two point five sacks so far, leading the team in sacks. Christian Covington, they brought in this year, who uh, is contributing in the trenches and has 1.5 sacks. Uh, I heard about this Derwin James guy. Is he good? I think he's pretty good at football, <laughs> you might say. And uh, yeah, I mean, they have a whole bunch of players, but I think those are the big three. Um, what do you guys think? 100%. I mean, the, with Bosa, it's just like Von Miller a couple weeks ago against the Broncos. He's going to be the guy that the offensive line is really going to have to key in on, maybe bring in an extra tight end uh, in big passing downs. Uh, Just always make sure you know where that guy's lined up because he can wreak havoc. Um, If not, James is going to be the guy that Lamar is going to have to always know where he's at on the field when they're going deep. He's a guy who has been in the league a couple years, and he's just been phenomenal. 
injuries have been the only thing that have really slowed him down. Yeah, those two guys, I think, have the biggest shot at disrupting the offense. But honestly, I'm not really too concerned about it. I view their defense in a very similar situation where the Ravens are right now, where you know who the guys are that are going to make plays. Uh, So you know that you're going to avoid them mostly and you're going to be able to, to take some things at other spots. And the Browns certainly were able to to do that. You had David Njoku just have a career game this past weekend. So, yeah, I mean, those guys, Ravens will have to keep an eye out for them, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be enough to derail the Ravens from, from doing what they want to do on Sunday. Yeah, I'd say another guy um, we haven't mentioned – but he could probably impact the game a little bit, it's particularly if the Ravens want to try and establish the run game. I think it's uh, Linval Joseph. I think it's their nose tackle. Um, yep. I believe he played for the Vikings for a while, I want to say. But yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, he can definitely stuff the run. So I think, uh, you know, depending on who the Ravens are going to put left, I, I guess it's going to be Powers at this point, unless Tyree Phillips comes back, in which case I guess they could slide him in there. Or they slide him in right tackle. I don't know. We don't know anything about Tyree at this point. But anyway, uh, depending on who they put there, um, he's going to be a guy that they're going to need to move if they want to create some space for uh, all the running backs. So he's a guy who could have an impact, uh, particularly you know, just with all the, the troubles that the Ravens have had establishing the run. Another player, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to, to make it this game. Uh, I think he was put on IR a few weeks ago, but Kenneth Murray... Uh, if you guys recall, it was another one of those uh, first-round linebackers that the Ravens had a chance on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what his injury was, but I know he's not going to be playing this game. So the Ravens kind of lucked out with that. Yeah, another player I had pointed out, young player, uh, Asante Samuel. He played about 40% of the snaps last week. He already has two picks on the year and is leading that team in picks. Uh, so, you know, for a second-round pick at the cornerback position, that's a pretty good uh, impact already for his team. Yeah, I got him I got him mixed up for a second with... Um, Trayvon Diggs because I thought you know Asante Samuel I remember his father who was a, a pick magnet right. he's probably probably number two to Ed Reed I think in that era of football but yeah Asante only has two interceptions versus Diggs has like six or something ridiculous at this point dude the Diggs brothers are insane <laughs> they're just so good at football <laughs> yeah might be the best combo fortunately uh one's in the AFC one's in the NFC so they probably won't play each other for a while or be on the same team if ever so I'm definitely curious to see the way that the Chargers attack the Ravens because you know they have a base 3-4 defense but just looking at their snap counts it definitely looks like they're mixing it up a good bit the kind of personnel packages and looks that they get and um, I'm curious where they're going to land like we talked about it last episode of you know where how do you attack this offense now? Like everyone thought it was like get rid of the the run and force them to pass and, and that that's almost better. Like at this point I feel like like I I feel like the Ravens need to like learn who they are right now. <laughs> like we're we're trying to invoke these old emotions of like who the Ravens once were, uh, you know, when the running backs weren't all broken and on IR. But uh yeah, I feel like at this point, like it's like guys, it's this is this is actually your team and I'm I'm curious to see how the Ravens execute, and I'm curious to see how opposing defenses now, as they see more and more of this, are going to approach it. And I think if any team is going to do the like right thing, so to speak, or be quick to to pivot, it's going to be the Chargers and their analytical nerds. Like they're going to probably be uh, ready to to try to make a maneuver. So I'm very curious to see how they play against us because it might be a new script because the uh, the old script's not working for teams. Yeah, I mean it'll 
definitely interesting. I the thing with the Chargers though, I just, I just question if they have the personnel to do it. We talked last episode. The Chargers are actually worst in the league right now from deep on a defensive perspective when defending the run. So, and we just saw last week how Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Now, granted, those guys we've talked about are are excellent, but they Browns had a huge game on the ground against the Chargers. Uh, could this be a game where we see the Ravens have a little more uh, success with the running backs through a combination of, like you're saying, maybe the Chargers decide to, 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 to play the pass rather than the run for a higher percentage of snaps, um, which combined with a lesser personnel than what they have been facing recently could mean you're getting a, a, a big day out of Murray or or maybe Williams goes back to what he was doing the first two weeks of the season. We did see that the Ravens uh, have shown they can air it out if they need to, but there might be some games where they don't need to and, can, and would actually t- it would be advantageous to them to go back to the old way of, of just pounding on the ground. Um, so it will be interesting to see, but I do question if the Chargers have enough of personnel to slow this offense down the Broncos couldn't do it, and I think the Broncos have a better unit than the Chargers, so um, that's just one data point, but that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I'm taking a look to see like who the Chargers have played in the past, and they've definitely played some good rushing attacks with Dallas and uh, Cleveland, and maybe to a lesser extent, uh, Washington. They also had the Chiefs in there and Vegas, and you know, Vegas is kind of like iffy because of uh, you know the lack of, of Jacobs. And he wasn't like a hundred percent for that game, so I would say uh, I would say that I could kind of see how they're getting beat up, but I also think like if they're getting beat up that bad, it's also the personnel. It's a combo. So the Ravens definitely could have a get right game as far as running the ball against this team. We've gone through some of the an overview of, of the Chargers, what they like to do, who they played. I think it's a very legitimate question here to ask. How do the Ravens win this game? I'm just going to say, while I'm excited with what the Ravens have done the past couple weeks in the passing attack, just seeing how the Bills' defense was able to just completely take away what the Chiefs wanted to do, and you compare that to how the Ravens' defense struggled against the Chiefs, and how the Ravens' defense just gave up 400 yards of passing to Carson Wentz, a career day for him. Can we trust this defense to keep the game close enough for Lamar and the Ravens um, because I don't want to sound pessimistic here, but I'm just wondering with the weaknesses that they have at the inside linebacker position and seeing some, uh, some big plays being given up on the passing end, what do the Ravens need to do to, to either slow down the chargers or, or keep pace in, in the case that the, the defense can't stop them consistently. Or maybe I'm alone on that. Maybe I'm the alone in, in, in being a little nervous nervous about this game. We're more nervous than I have been for about the previous two weeks. <laughs> no, sir, you're not. You're not alone. I'm. I'm with you. I'm nervous about this game. I would pose the question differently. I'm actually less concerned about what the defense is going to do. I think the defense, if they stop them for less than uh, 27 points or so, is a kind of a surprise to me. Uh, it's more a question of like how sharp can the Ravens be and how well can they just keep putting up points too. Uh, that's more the question I'm going to be asking. Um, 
I think I think they're going to have theirs. The uh, Ravens are favored by three points, like I told you. The over-under is 52. So, you know, they're expecting a, a shootout. Um, and I am too, right? Like, it, the points are going to be scored. I'm not expecting a, a low-scoring game. I'm not expecting um, either team to come out super flat and just, like, not really put up points. Or, like, if they do start flat, like, they'll, they'll get into it, the groove, like we saw in the second half of the Colts game. Like, I, I just feel like points are going to be scored and it's going to be more of a question of who can make impact plays turnovers um it's going to come down to like execution more so than um oh they actually stop the team i'd be shocked that the ravens stop this offense <laughs> yeah i mean personally for me i think it's going to just come down to turn the turnover battle again um can owe cut out there and, and get another uh strip sack fumble um can we see this this defense force an interception or two out of herbert i think Eckler might, as much as we've talked about how much of a playmaker he is, he already has two fumbles on the season, one lost, and there was a a play in the game against Cleveland where the ball was knocked out, but the ball went out of bounds before Cleveland could jump on it. He might be someone that the Ravens might try and and attack and try and get him to to fumble it. I will admit, I, I don't know, I'd have to look back at his previous career numbers to know if if that's just an anomaly or if he's had issues with fumbling in the past. Not really. Through his five-year career, he's only lost two fumbles. So that could just be an anomaly in these first five games. But uh, if he's having some difficulty handling the rock, the Ravens will be apt to really test him on that. Yeah, I definitely hear you. Um, would love to see a, a turnover, particularly um, Marlon Humphrey. He's been a little bit quiet this year. I mean, he's been good. Um, I think he's been walking down his side of the field, but uh, to have him, you know, with his one of his patented uh, Marlowe fruit punch plays this game would be huge, or an interception would also be pretty huge. I, I think for me, the well, at least you know, after watching the the Chargers and the Browns game, I, I'd say you know one thing that the Ravens could do, which I thought the Browns did a pretty good job with, at least in the first half of the game, was their defense always uh, played very physical throughout the whole game. And we're just, when they did make the tackle, they hit, got, hit guys pretty hard. They fly to the ball pretty quickly. Now, the one thing they didn't do so well, which I think the Ravens will probably have a little bit more success with, um, and they will definitely need to, is just prevent the big play. I think the Browns let too many guys get behind them due to miscommunications and other things. I think for all of the Ravens' faults, they haven't, uh, in general, let too many things get behind them which is good. I think they'll do a pretty good job of that. But then I think it comes back down to just playing physical, tackling the guys in front of them, you know, trying to get off the field whenever they can. You know, I think they can do it. I think that they've, you know, been getting a little bit better at it. But I, I do think they, there's a lot to improve there. I kind of agree with you, Alec, in that, like, I don't think there is a scenario where the Ravens hold the Chargers to under 20 points. I think it's going to be pretty difficult for them to do that. And even if they had all the guys back, I think it would be kind of difficult. So um, whatever they can do to to just force a turnover here or there and just get off the field in key spots, I think uh, I think that'll be enough for the Ravens' offense to take over. But yeah, I will say you know it's you know when comparing this to the Chiefs game at least. I do think it's definitely an advantage for the Ravens that they're playing this game at home. They're playing at one o'clock. I think. Uh, with the Chargers being a West Coast team, I, I do think that is significant. So they, they're definitely going to have to take advantage, um, particularly if, if we're talking about the taking advantage in the beginning of the game. They get off get off to a, a good a good start. I think that could be a really a huge thing for the Ravens. 
It could be. I'm just getting flat flashes back to 2014. I was at the game where the Ravens played the Chargers, and the Chargers did pull that one off. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do agree that, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've heard that East Coast teams definitely have the overall record against, um, straight up against West Coast teams when West Coast teams are traveling to the East Coast. So that is something the Ravens could also take advantage of. I mean, heck, man, we've had a lot of good matchups against the Chargers. I mean, just, I mean, think about like when Lamar first started. I mean, that game, uh, that primetime game against the Chargers, that was a good one. Um, you know, we lost the playoff game, unfortunately, and that's kind of when fate sort of changed. The Ravens started getting really good. The Chargers were bad for a season, then they got Herbert, and then they were a little bit better. Uh, now they're pretty good. I mean, you go, you know, back to like 2006, 2009. I mean, there's some really good uh, matchups between these two teams. Yeah, the game's certainly been close. I think it's reasonable to assume there'll be another one like that. Ravens fans, if you are tired of heart attack inducing Ravens games, uh, maybe you want to skip out this one because I don't, I don't think it's going to be much different than the last uh, four out of five weeks. <laughs> it's funny, man. I feel like I've gotten, it's knock on wood, I feel like I've gotten like more used to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like the, the past game against the Colts, like wasn't it wasn't heart attack inducing. Like I was, yeah, I didn't for a while. I didn't think that they were gonna win, but like it wasn't to the point where I was just like, oh my god, my night is ruined. And then when they won, it was like, oh man, this is great. I feel awesome. What a relief. <laughs> I, I I will say that the Ravens and like the way that we have to watch this stinking team and like the way that the drama has been, not just this year but in general, has. Uh, completely changed the way I approach watching football and maybe even my life. Like I'm not even like being facetious. Like I just like try to stay calm, assume things can start working. Like everything that's happened to this point does not change. What's the future is like, what do we want to do next? Like, <laughs> you know, like those kind of like thoughts, like that's like the way I approach it. When we were down by 19, I was like, well, now's a good time to start having good offensive success. And, you know, like, yeah, we haven't seen much of it yet today, but uh, I don't think it's too late for it to get going. We've seen them do it before. So let's just uh, hope that they do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like I can't I can't let myself get too uh, up and down or I'm going to just go nuts. It's not healthy. Oh, especially when the games are so late at night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I get hyped when things go well. Like I. uh I exalted man like pandemonium for sure uh, of whatever like the Ravens like pulled ahead or tied or won like I was going nuts but I was very reserved up until those moments I wasn't getting too excited <laughs> like, let's get there <laughs> yeah. no I, I hear you guys I don't, I don't know if it's just the way the Ravens are playing this year or just our age and, and <laughs> our football maturity but yeah that's that's kind of how I've been approaching the game so far too i mean just ecstatic when things go their way and just you know just trying to be patient when when they're not and just just see what this team can do i mean really what ultimately what i think it boils down to is just the faith in that we have all these offensive pieces that we can that we can expect things from week in and week out ravens really haven't had that too much of that um in the past two decades i mean Ray Rice was a guy you really knew what he was going to bring. Uh, Derek Mason was was pretty steady and and you know being a, a very solid um, possession receiver who was going to get you a thousand yard season every year with around the eleven yards per catch. But yeah, you got you got 
we, we know we already know what we're going to get from Lamar and Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are, are being pretty darn consistent, not perfect, but pretty darn consistent. These first five games, Watkins is there for his couple catches a game. We're seeing more from Prochet and Duvernay in the, in this off in today's NFL, you got that many offensive guys that in the aerial attack that you feel comfortable with, you never feel like you're out of a game. I mean, it's, it's, a weird concept for us to embrace as Ravens fans. We've never had, we've never had this, but I think with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, an improved passing Lamar Jackson at quarterback who can still run, and all these weapons, the Ravens are never out of a game. All right, guys. With that, let's go and talk about our bowl predictions and score predictions in this game. I'll lead off. I, I've been alluding to it all night. I'm going to stay true to the new brand. Uh, Lamar Jackson throws for 400 yards my bold prediction lock it in and uh my score prediction is that the ravens keep ahead they uh push the spread so it's gonna be a fun one choosing against the spread i'm gonna probably choose them to cover but i'm gonna say realistically in my score prediction here they're gonna push they're gonna win by three and they're gonna win 33 to 30 i could definitely see that happening yeah um for my bold prediction i I'm going to say that I don't know who I'm not going to say who it's going to be, but just looking at, at the issues that the charges have had against the rush. And I think the Ravens coaching staff knows they need to find some way to get someone to be a guy that they can depend on to get the carries. Um, if needed, I'm going to say that the leading rusher on the Ravens this week is not going to be Lamar Jackson. It's going to be one of the running backs, but I'm <laughs> You're not I, sure which one. I don't blame I, you for I, not I can, specifying. I can't <laughs> say which one if you guys want me to. I, I don't, no. It's like, give us any other team, that be. wouldn't be a bold prediction. But Is it Freeman? I I mean, I think it's Tyson, if it's any of them. I mean, I, like we said, we've already seen him have some success this year, and it it's, doesn't make sense for him to just all of a sudden not be able to do anything. Um, it, it screams mental to me. I mean, he doesn't look like there's anything injury-wise, so... If it's anyone, it's probably Tyson, unless the Chargers let Latavius Murray uh, free for a burst of slow for a 50-yard stumble or something. I just thought you wanted to see Alec tilt for a second if you said Freeman. But. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm, all, I'm all for any of the guys doing it. If Freeman wants to turn back the clock like it's 2016, I'm not going to complain at all. I just don't see yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and then for the score prediction, this is where everyone's going to hate me. But I think it actually is not is going to be for the best for the Ravens. I do think the Chargers win this game. I'm going to say 35 to 31. I think this Ravens team does have some things they need to tighten up on. We talked about it a bit in the Colts recap and in here. And I just think that the Chargers offense, they're going to be able to find the mismatches that there are in this defense currently with the injuries and with some of the poor technique from some of the players. And... If the Ravens can get out to a fast start and they're up in the first quarter, then I might change my prediction on the spot, but <laughs> I need to see that first. And we know the Ravens aren't going to win all the rest of their games. I think, unfortunately, they might lose this one, but it'll give them a lot of, of good teachable moments to look at stuff going into the bye week to to revamp this team to be uh, even more dominant for the home stretch. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you can't be that upset 
to to lose to a team like this. I mean, both teams being four and one, it would suck just from a playoff standing perspective. You know, assuming that the Chargers are going to continue on with a great season. You prefer the Ravens to obviously be on the upper hand when it comes to tiebreakers, but um, to lose to a team of that caliber, though, I mean, that's not so bad in the grand scheme of things. It's only bad if, if it's like the, the Chiefs where they kind of had our number a few years in a row, you know, and you just kind of want to get that monkey off your back. But yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that, Peter. I'm going to go with the Ravens to win this one. Maybe this is just uh, Homer me speaking or, or you know optimism or something. I do think it's going to be close. I think everything you brought up is legit. It's This is going to be one of the toughest battles that the Ravens have faced all season, in my opinion. Like I hate to do this. I feel like I'm going to pick a score prediction that's awfully close to Alex. <laughs> that's um, okay. I mean, it, it is what it is, man, because like, I think yeah, it checks out. It checks out. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just the way... Over under the way that we think the game's gonna go, like I yeah. mean, the only thing you can do is maybe push it up. <laughs> forty two yeah, to forty seven. I, I, I was I was thinking about that. Yeah, maybe to do like something like uh heck man, I don't know. Thirty eight thirty five. Thirty eight thirty five Ravens. Thirty eight how about thirty eight thirty six Ravens? How about that? They win by two. Now as far as the bold prediction here, I really want to do something with the defense, but I, I'm not sure if it's a good time to do that. I don't. We talked about Marlowe a good bit this game. I'm going to say that Marlowe gets a uh, Marlowe gets a turnover this game. I don't know whether it's going to be a forced fumble or it's going to be an interception. Uh, I'd like to see Marlowe finally get something on the on the the cards this week. Well, I like that. I hope you were both right and I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we hope the same. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, it's reasonable for you to choose the other team here. I think it's it's tough. None of us have them winning yeah. by more than three points, so it's like <laughs> and I, I want I want everyone listening to know that when I say the Ravens are going to win, I mean that I I know they're going to win, <laughs> and I'm not saying they <laughs> won't fair. win Sunday. I just don't know. <laughs> hey, that's fair, man. I mean, I I picked the Chiefs week two, and we all know how that turned out. So it's a good uh, Ravens recap. Uh, Maybe that's the formula. Maybe the formula is one of us needs to take the dive that the Ravens aren't going to win in these tough matchups for them to win. But if two of us do it's it, true. it's too, it's too much against them. It doesn't it's not the wrong level of uh, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and if all three of us pick them, then we're either going to win or we're going to lose in a decisive fashion. So you never really know what's going to happen if we all pick the Ravens. All right, guys. Well, love to hear what you think about this game. Definitely a really interesting one. Let us know if you're going to be at the game. Make sure to make some noise if you are. First, not primetime game for the Ravens at home this year and many more to come many more to come a big homestand uh, for the next two games you can follow us on Twitter Ravens underscore recap or email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. we love giving you guys our weekly recaps and preview episodes and hope you enjoy them as well and we'll catch you next week go Ravens <laughs>